assemble. How wonderful it is to come together and assemble and worship our God. Please rise up to receive the word, the holy word of God, people of God. Today we're going to be reading from Psalm 42. <clears throat> As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Please be seated. Thanks very much, Faye. I thought we could begin this new year by uh, focusing on the subject of spiritual formation. And uh, we'll be looking at three psalms during this series. And today we're looking at uh, Psalm 42. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to uh, be in your house and to know that uh, this is a place where you long to meet us, both individually and as a congregation. And we just thank you that we can experience that in so many ways. And that uh, as we open your word especially, we know that you speak to us. So we want to be attentive to that and just trust you to speak into our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I used to think that the Christian life was a series of dramatic events that transformed us from self-centered sinners into Christ-centered saints. These dramatic events included things like conversion, baptism, recommitment, re-recommitment. And of course, there was your first potluck supper. That was a major upgrade in church fellowship. Or how about when they put a coffee maker in the lobby? God is good. 
Now, I know that there are intense, dramatic turning points in the Christian life that change us. The times when you come under conviction and you respond to an altar call. And those are important moments, especially if you mean it. And I've had a number of those in my life. The only problem is that they don't come often enough. So what do we do while we're waiting for lightning to strike again? When Elijah was in the wilderness, he discovered that God was not manifesting his presence in the hurricane and the earthquake and the fire, but in a still small voice. And I eventually realized that for most of us, the Christian life isn't always that intense. It's interesting, it's important, but it's usually not very dramatic. And of course, there are new mercies every morning, but we also spend a lot of time waiting, and that's not very exciting. So what do we do while we wait? Wait for the next breakthrough, the next healing, the next victory, the next miracle, the next revival. Well, I've come to understand that the downtime in the life of believers is best put to use by developing healthy habits. I think that's what Paul was referring to in Philippians chapter 2. The chapter begins by depicting the most dramatic and most exciting event in history. When Jesus Christ is exalted to the highest place and every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. I can hardly wait for that day. But what do I do in the meantime? Well, Paul tells us. Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That is the Christian workout. We work out what God has already worked into our lives. Through the Holy Spirit, we have been given supernatural capacities for love, joy, for peace and patience. And our responsibility is to look for opportunities to work these out in the undramatic, ordinary circumstances of daily life. Is someone driving you crazy? That's a great opportunity to practice patience. And I can honestly tell you that since I've been doing this, I've enjoyed the Christian life a lot more than I did before when I was impatiently waiting for the next divine intervention or adrenaline rush. So continue to work out, for it is God who works in you. For the next three weeks, we want to consider working out three habits that will significantly improve your spiritual health. They're not dramatic. They're not even that exciting, but they are very important. Because this is what spiritual formation is all about. Being transformed one decision at a time, one habit at a time, into the likeness of Christ. So we're going to focus this morning on Psalm 42. This scripture describes one man's ambitious attempt to go against the undertow, against the irresistible flash flood of discouragement and depression. 
As, my, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? It almost sounds like a tranquil spiritual retreat setting. In the background, you could almost hear the Gregorian chants. But this is not a theological exercise. It actually turns out to be the desperate cry of a fearful soul stranded out in a great desert of loneliness. He's suffering serious dehydration. My soul thirsts. Verse three, my tears have been my food day and night. Have you experienced times like this? You know, it takes a lot to make me cry. Maybe the Oakland Raiders losing a playoff game. Back in the day, my motto was based on Paul Simon's defiant lyrics. I am a rock, I am an island, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. That's the national anthem of our gender. We're tough guys. Hit me with your best shot. Is that all you got? If you get hurt, you walk it off. There's no whining. Well, that uh, stoic philosophy philosophy worked until I saw my sons fall into enemy hands. And that's when I felt this warm, itchy liquid running down my face. And I couldn't stop it. The granite had dissolved to quicksand. My tears have been my food day and night. Many of you have been there. And there's nothing wrong with shedding tears. It proves that you care deeply about something. But it also makes us vulnerable because that's when the predators move in for the kill. My tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where is your God? When we're weakened by stress or suffering, the vultures begin to circle. The hecklers appear. So, where's your God now? This is when Satan starts another smear campaign. Well, 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 looks like God has failed you again. I don't know why you put up with it. He won't answer your prayers. He's not keeping his promises. Where is your God? Have you seen him lately? Maybe he's embarrassed because he can't help you, so he's hiding. The only thing worse than having a heartbreaking problem is having a heartbreaking problem and losing the awareness of God's presence. Men say to me, where is your God? That's a good question. In the movie, God is not dead too, one of the characters says, the teacher is always quiet during the test. Maybe that's why. Where is your God? I don't know, the last time I saw him was, was when I was in the temple. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how he used to go with the multitudes leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Wow, those are great times. We've all been there in the midst of tremendous victory celebrations when we're so pumped we thought we would never falter again. From now on, it'll be full speed ahead. No turning back. No turning back. But the shouts of joy have faded. 
and the festive throng has disappeared, and the drama and the intensity has evaporated. Now it's just me, this blinding sun, and this snake. The desert heat drains our energy and our sanity, and we get delusional, and we start talking to ourselves. Look at verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Well, that's not a good sign. He's talking to himself. They lock people up for things like that. Well, perhaps, but I guess it depends on what you say. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Well, no one else is telling him to do that. Everyone is mocking him, telling him to give up. So that forces our victim to resort to radical measures. If no one else is going to encourage me, I'm going to have to do it myself. Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. It was Martin Lloyd-Jones who made the observation that most of our problems are the result of listening to ourselves rather than talking to ourselves. Most of our problems are because we're listening to ourselves and not talking to ourselves. That's a good insight. Because when we are listening to ourselves, to our feelings, we tend to get discouraged. When we pay attention to our fears, our situation begins to look hopeless. I don't know about you, but my fear is not a reliable source of information. My fears consistently lie to me. So why do I bother to listen to that? And don't you ever let fear make any decisions. It's only there in a limited advisory capacity. I tell you, in the course of an average week, I get so much bad advice. Jealousy is constantly texting me, reminding me that I'm not getting what I'm entitled to. My doubts can't stop nagging. My inferiority complex has absolutely nothing good to say. My insecurity is on the verge of a panic attack. If I listen to all those lies, I'll just give up hope. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? He realized he's taken a wrong turn and he's headed away from his destination. Well, that's when you need to stop and turn around. If your destination in 2017 is to increase your spiritual health, to improve it, then we have to stop listening to the lies we tell ourselves and start listening to the truth, telling ourselves the truth. You see, the writer of this psalm is holding his feelings accountable. Okay, what's going on here? Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? Ah, they're busted. What's wrong with you? It's like a coach talking to his team at halftime. What are you doing out there? 
Don't let them push you around. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor is not in vain. Stop listening to your feelings. Jeremiah 17.9 gives us a very important insight. It says the heart is deceitful and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That sounds very unhealthy. That kind of stuff calls for a good, stiff rebuke. Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? It's really all about learning how to train a dragon. Do you have any ferocious, carnivorous emotions that need to be trained? Any fire-breathing bad attitudes that contribute to burnout and defeat? Now you can let your emotions bully you and control you, or you can confront them, challenge them, contradict them, and force them to submit to the truth. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior, and my God. It's kind of like a, like a, a wolf pack or a pride of lions or a harem of baboons. They're all organized the same way. It's a hierarchy. There's a chain of command. There's an alpha male that keeps every member of the pack subservient to himself. Or there will be blood. And as long as everyone knows their place, it's a, it can be a peaceful community, even nurturing. Now sometimes one of the young males will challenge the alpha and try to replace him. It's usually not much of a threat. After a brief skirmish, the uh, insubordinate will give up and adopt a submissive posture. But sometimes an aggressive outsider will appear and challenge the alpha. These are vicious encounters that often result in death. And if successful, the new alpha takes over dominance of this pack. That's kind of what our heart is like. We have some alpha emotions that control our moods with malevolent force. It may be fear or self-pity. It could be greed or lust or jealousy or hopelessness. One of my highest ranking alpha emotions is anger. That has dominated my life for many years. I can get angry at almost anything. And when I get angry, I, I hear, listen to myself saying things I don't really mean. So what is going on here? What's happening to me? And often it was even anger against God until I finally decided this needs to stop. This needs to be challenged. And that challenge was not tentative. I was absolutely serious. I did not want to be a victim anymore. It was time to be more assertive. So in the power of the Holy Spirit, I was relentless until I prevailed. You're fired. You're terminated. And it sounded very much like this. Why are you downcast? Why are you so angry? Put your hope in God. Let God control your life. I will yet praise him, my Savior, 
and my God. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. This is what Paul was referring to in Romans 6 when he says, uh, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And he says, this is what needs to happen in your life. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Therefore, do not let sin reign, for sin shall not be your master. That's what this is all about. Who is in control? Who is reigning? Who is the master? It reminds me of a verse in James. James chapter 4 verse 7 tells us how this works on an even larger scale. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he, now get this, will flee from you. Can you imagine that? It's amazing. First, you submit to God. Because you're not the Alpha. He is the Alpha and the Omega. So when you're submitted to him, you can actually stand up to Satan and challenge him until he flees. And this makes sense, because Satan sees himself as the Alpha spirit in the ecosystem of our fallen world. And he's very territorial. He insists on getting his own way. Resistance is futile. You must comply. No, that's a lie. Resistance is not futile because the Bible says, resist him and he will flee. You see, resistance puts him in a very embarrassing situation. Very awkward for him. It's that basic animal instinct of fight or flight. When Jesus resisted the devil's temptations, Satan had no choice but to leave. He was absolutely humiliated by that defeat. He couldn't stand the embarrassment, so he fled the scene. Probably venting his rage on the frightened demons he ran into that day. Because that's what happens when you stand up to a bully. When they realize they can't intimidate you, they panic and run. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And that's exactly how we deal with our sinful habits and emotions. Remember God's advice to Cain when he was consumed with jealousy? Genesis chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must master it. There it is. You must master it. As I've been working out what God has worked in, I have selected a new alpha to control my heart. It's called gratitude. I want gratitude to be the dominant influence 
in my life. Because the only way to overcome evil is with good. And gratitude is very good. And besides, it's fireproof. It's dragonproof. I can't be angry when I'm grateful. Now, gratitude is not natural for me. Gratitude is an outsider. It's not part of the indigenous species. So this gratitude is not supported by anything else that is a natural inclination in my life. It's not supported by fear or anger or anxiety. Gratitude is sponsored by the truth of God's word. And so that's what I need to focus on. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. We need to replace every bad habit with a good habit. To replace every sinful attitude with righteousness. And then stay alert because there will be counterattacks. As you read on in this psalm, it's really interesting. Verse 6, my soul is downcast within me. Hey, I thought we just solved this problem. But his sinful alpha is not going to give up without a fight. Look at verses 9 and 10. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, and my, my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? So he has to keep asserting dominance, because in verse 11, he repeats himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. In fact, this fight spills over into the next psalm. Verse 1, vindicate me, O God, rescue me from deceitful wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Well, that calls for another healthy dose of the truth. Verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Three times that rebuke is repeated in two psalms. So, when you keep repeating something often enough, it becomes a, there's a word for it. If you keep repeating something, it becomes a habit. Yes, it becomes a habit. This is not just a one-time thing. A habit develops slowly, gradually. But as long as you're relentless and keep pushing it, it will prevail. So whenever your feelings sound discouraged and depressed, stop listening and start talking. Don't listen to the lies and start telling yourself the truth. Remind yourself to hope in God because that hope will never disappoint. Now I guarantee you, your emotions will snap and growl and there will be sound and fury. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will prevail. I mean, even as parents, we know that we are not to be controlled by our children's temper tantrums. There's no way you can't give in to that. You insist, you don't take no for an answer. So you have to stand your ground against the dragons until they whimper and retreat. They must be trained. So, why are you downcast? 
Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. For yet we will praise him, our Savior and our God. These healthy habits are the building blocks of spiritual formation that transform us one decision at a time, one habit at a time, into the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. And that transformation began when we were saved, when we realized that Jesus was offering us new life, if we would repent of our sin and receive him as Lord and Savior. That's where this began. And that's why we keep returning to this table, to remind ourselves that we are new creations. The old is gone, and the new has come. Father, we thank you so much that uh, you are giving us new life through Jesus Christ. We already have that life. But as we experience our spiritual growth, one day at a time, one decision at a time. It's manifested more and more. So Lord, teach us how to spend this year building constructive, healthy habits so that we can be more like our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.